0: Hamuda Abu Enin was born to Arab Muslim parents in a village near Tzfat in 1926 during the British Mandate in Palestine, at a time of severe hostilities and pogroms by Arabs targeting Jewish towns. But he chose to go to the Jewish school in Tzfat as its only Arab student. There he became intrigued with the Jewish culture and joined the Jabotinsky Beitar youth movement. His fascination with Judaism caused tension with his family and village who were clearly unhappy with his new affiliation and his excitement for the re-establishment of the Jewish Commonwealth. For this reason, he would stay in the mystic city of Tzfat till late hours of the night, studying Torah and involved in activities in the Zionist youth movement. At first, his new friends in the Beitar movement were skeptical of the Arab youth who expressed enthusiasm for their movement. They thought that he was some kind of spy, or at least mocking them. They tried to avoid him and even beat him up when he persisted to be in their company but he didn't let up on his aspirations to be a Jew. In 1938, when he completed his high school studies in Sfat, he moved to Haifa after death threats from his family because of his decision to convert to Judaism. The rabbis at first turned him away a couple of times, but then finally they agreed to accept him as a Jew. At age 20, he was circumcised and emerged in the purifying waters of the mikvah and officially took on the observance of Torah as his lifestyle. From the Beit Din, the rabbinical court, with his new official Jewish standing, he proceeded to his next objective, to become a fighter for the freedom of Israel. He applied to join the Irgun underground, who were fighting the British occupation of the Land of Israel, for an independent Jewish state in the historical homeland. Again, he faced skeptical leaders of the Jewish national movement, but ultimately he was accepted. On an underground mission, In nineteen forty six, he and two of his fellow Irgun fighters caught British soldiers and gave them a lashing in revenge for the British doing the same to. Irgun fighters. Soon after, he and his comrades were arrested by the British. When asked for his identification, he told the British that his name was Baruch Mizrahi, fearing that they would discover his original Arab identity, which could have been very dangerous for him, as his own family was out to kill him for becoming a Jew. He was sent to the British detention camp at Latrun, where he was held for three months, and then, together with fifty-five other Jewish underground members, he was transferred to the camps in Eritrea, in Africa. While in exile, he remained dedicated to his faith. Each morning before sunbreak, he would wake his Jewish friends for morning prayers, with Talit and Filin, and pray to Hashem to bring them back to the land of Israel, and to remove the British invaders. After the British discovered his identity, in collaboration with his Arab family in Sfat, they offered to re- release him from prison on the terms that he would turn his back on the Jews and return to his Muslim faith. But he refused and remained in the exile until 1948. While in Eritrea, he was shot by local camp guards and severely wounded. His greatest concern was that he would die there and not be buried in a Jewish cemetery. When visited there by the chief rabbi Herzog, he begged the rabbi to assure him that he would be buried according to the Jewish rites. The rabbi placed his hands on Baruch's head and prayed for his full recovery and return to the land. When the state of Israel was established, the banished were allowed to return to the land of Israel. But his service to the nation was not over. The newly founded state of of Israel was fighting for its survival in the War of Independence. In May 1948, seven Arab armies had invaded in a joint effort to push the Jews into the sea. Although he was wounded, he volunteered for a special mission beyond enemy lines, the Arab Liberation Army, led by Fauzi al-Kawaji, had set up base in Shechem, Nablus. Al-Kawaji, a Nazi affiliate, now commander of a band of thousands of Arab and Muslim volunteers from Iraq to Bosnia. His aim, he declared, was to drive all of the Jews into the sea. The plan of the mission was to infiltrate a truck full of explosives to Shechem and to blow up the Al-Kawaji Central Command. Baruch Mizrahi knew that his knowledge of the Arabic language and culture would be an incomparable asset for this mission, and he insisted that he be chosen for the mission. Together with another Jewish fighter, they succeeded in getting the truck into Shechem and reaching the Al-Kawaji command center. But there they were discovered. They were captured and tortured, and then his real identity was discovered. His family from Tzfat was notified. They immediately came to Shechem, but not to comfort him, or to Rabbi for clemency. They came to take part in the festivities of his hanging, together with thousands of other Arabs who cheered for the fall of one of their own who had crossed the lines and become a Jew and a fighter for Israel. His burial place was unknown and was in areas that were captured by Jordan in 1948. His memory was commemorated with other soldiers of Israel at M- Mount Herzl in Jerusalem. But after the Six-Day War, his remains were found near Sanor in Shamron. His bones were brought to burial with respect, in the military cemetery in Netanya, in attendance of the chief rabbi of Israel, Rabbi Shlomo Goren, and former head of Irgun, Menachem Begin, may his blessed memory rest in peace and be an inspiration. This is David Haivri. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please give it a like and share it with your friends. I look forward to reading your thoughts in the comment section below. Subscribe to follow my channel for more. Blessings to you.